Why don't you turn with me to Genesis 12, verses 1 to 4. Who knows here that we're all on a journey in life, aren't we? We're all on a journey. And we all have to make on that journey life-changing decisions. Life-changing decisions. We're going on our journey and we hit almost a fork in the road. Everything seems to be going well. But at that pivotal moment, we have got a great choice to make. Which way are we going to turn? Can everybody relate to me of hitting a fork in a road in pivotal life decisions in your life that you think will be instrumental to the outcome of your journey and your relationship with God? I think we've all there been there, haven't we? It's an unsettling time. It can be an unsettling time, can't it? Emotions are heightened. Your insecurities, they're heightened. And sometimes we are frozen at that crossroads, unsure of which way do I go. But there are some key things today that I believe that we can learn from the Bible in helping us when we come to that point and the crossroads in our life. Firstly, to give us strength, to give us faith, for us to be at peace, that we can prepare ourselves for making that life-changing decision. But very importantly, a life-changing decision with integrity. I myself had a pivotal decision to make in my life. I had spent 15 years in a career that I'd focused my whole life on since I was 17 years old. For 15 years, it was my, it was my center of my universe. It provided me financially. It was my family. It was my friends. It was my social life. It was a career that consumed me, a career that I loved, a career that I was excelling in, reaching to the high echelons of that world. I loved it. I was enjoying it. But I was also falling in love with the living God at the same time and growing more and more and more in my relationship with him. And those paths started to merge and come together. And I myself came to a crossroads. I knew I was facing a life-changing decision. Everything that I knew, everything that I achieved, where I saw my whole future going beforehand, suddenly became very hazy. I had a choice to make. I felt deep inside my spirit that I had a calling to, the great, to, to, to other things of God which was outside of my military career. It was calling me aside to something different. I didn't quite know what that was at that time, but I knew my heart began to, began to wane and my life began to wane towards the things of the military, to the, to, to, to the things of my life that I had previously. It began to wax more and more and more and more to the things of God. At that point... I was at a crossroads. I had a key decision to make. The whole life that I'd built up in my mind, the career path that I'd laid out for myself, suddenly began to not so look so clear anymore. But I knew that there was something different deep down inside of me that I was being led to. I didn't know what it would look like, and I didn't know how it was going to shape out, but I knew that I'd have to make a pivotal decision for my life and my future. It was a life-changing point for me. Why don't you turn to that scripture that I just mentioned? Genesis 12, verses 1 to 4. Here, we have a great man of faith, Abraham. 
And he was facing a great decision in his life. And the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him also. Now, let's look a little bit of a background here of Abraham to bring some context of the great decision he was facing here. God was calling him out of an area, of a life, of a country, of a family that he knew so well. And he was about to do something pivotal for the future of his life, but not just for his life, but for all his sons in the faith to come. And I want to ask this question. What are we being integral to in our life? See, this section of the Bible begins with God's call of Abraham and Sarah. Later, as we know, will become Abraham and Sarah. They were to become parents of a whole new people through whom God would reach all the families of the earth. Abraham means exalted father, and Abraham, to which his name was going to become when he proved faithful to God, means father of many. Abraham's father, Terah, he had just died. And we see three levels of increasing pressures on the life of Abraham and Sarah as he came to that pivotal crossroads in his life. Was he continued the life that he was living? Or had God, had God intervened and spoke to his life, to the core of his being, was he going to be faithful and obedient to the things of God? These pressures that I described were increasing, I'm sure, in Abraham's life. He was man, just like you and I. And the pressures increased on country, on family, and on his father's house. Firstly, the country was the region of his dwelling. The family his clan, the father's house, was where he had responsibility and where he had leadership. The ask of God to Abraham would have been a huge intense decision for him to make, one that would completely go against the grain of the whole culture of that time. You see, in that time, the culture was that only the landless and the fugitive would move about and leave their ancestral homes. But Abraham here, by God, was called to leave everything and to go into a place where he did not know that God was leading him, but he knew the voice of God telling him to leave and move to a land that he will show him. It was against everything cultural. His leadership there, his family, the descendant of all his forefathers, of raising that clan, was now having to make another decision into the things of God. Now I'm sure Abraham felt in his flesh his own personal desires were potentially, I don't know, but I'm sure of not wanted to make this decision at times. 
He thought about the comforts and the benefits he had here in his family and the, and the justified responsibilities he had to his family and his home and to the people he was called there to lead on the death of his father. Circumstances, they would have been comfortable for him. He would have been in a comfortable environment. He was established. He knew these wells so well. The environment, the culture that would have said, stay, don't move. Our culture doesn't move like you are deciding to move. What about his family and his clan that he had responsibility to? What about his, just his human emotions of thinking, where on earth am I going? Where is God going to be leading me? Fear, anxiety, potential worries, fears of the unknown were to be confront him. But he, Abraham, soon to be Abraham, was a man who was integral to God and God alone above all of these things, above all of his desires, about his culture, above his environment, about his personal needs. He put God at the core central tenant of his life and heard his voice and his voice alone above all things. You see, James 1 speaks of a double-minded person who becomes unstable in all his ways. Sometimes we hear the voice of God in deep down in our spirit. We don't know what that will manifest or look like or work itself out to be at the time. But in our minds also, we see the natural. And there's a tension happening and occurring. One mind is listening to the voice of the spirit. The other mind is looking to the natural and the things of the natural. And there becomes a tension. And James here says, you're like a double-minded person. And we become unstable in all our ways. We've got one foot in one camp and we've got one foot in the other camp and we are being torn and split between the two. But you see, Abraham here was not double-minded. Regardless of his situation, he remained steadfast with God. And I want to ask us today, how are we approaching our decisions? How are we approaching decisions? I'm sure there's people right here right now who've got great decisions to make in your life. You, like Abraham, and myself in my career, have come to a crossroads, whether that be relational, whether that be career, whether it be with God, the voice of God, contrasting the things of the natural, whatever it may be, I know there's people here having to make life-changing decisions, and you're not sure how it's going to work out, and you're against that crossroad and feeling the pressures of that. But I want to go through some small tips, more of a checklist that we can go through to make those decisions a little more easier for us. Firstly, number one is prayer. Prayer, worship, and the word. Romans says, those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And Acts 13, 1 to three. Let's draw an example from the Bible here of Paul. Paul knew that he was called to the ministry. He knew he was called to the things of God for his life. He had set him aside. Deep down, but he was waiting for confirmation. He was patiently waiting for the right time. Because sometimes we can, we've got the right voice, we've heard the right thing, but we've got to wait for the right timing. God has orchestrated the perfect timings for all things under the sun. 
Sometimes we've heard right, but we must wait for the right time. In chapter 13, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. See, I believe here that this was the confirmation Paul needed. He waited patiently and he waited for that release from the Spirit to release him into the ministry which he knew he had been called for way back on the road to Damascus, possibly up to 14 years previously, had he waited patiently. And I believe that this would have done three pivotal things for Paul in his life and with his faith at this point. Firstly, it would have given confidence to Paul to step out. He had received the seal of approval by others around him. It wasn't just his word that he had heard from God. He had confirmation from the others in the spirit. And they confirmed the word of God to separate them for the working of God. And he received the touch to go and be released into his, into his ministry. This validated Paul's call. He knew he was called, but he needed others also to confirm that calling in his life. He never operated alone. And we function as a team. We function as a body. That is pivotal in making life-changing decisions. That you're accountable and that you pass it by others. But I'll come more on to that very shortly. And I'm sure this would have given Paul great strength and courage on all that he was about to face on his ministry. And we know some of the trials that he went through. But he would have known deep down that I've heard the voice for myself. It's been confirmed to others. And now I'm on my journey. I've made that vital decision. And I'm stepping out in faith to do what God has called me to do. Secondly, a key point is confirmation and operating as a body. Matthew 18, 19 says that if two of you shall agree on earth touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. You see, this scripture here I think gets slightly misinterpreted on occasions. We're not saying here that I believe that I should have a brand new Ferrari Will you come and agree with me in prayer because I want this Ferrari or I want this beautiful house or I want this husband or I want this wife? Will you come and agree with me because I want that? No, no, what it's saying here is if two of you shall agree on anything, touching anything on earth, it shall be done for you and your father. What is being said there is the Holy Spirit has spoken something for you and you hold it. You hold on to it for a season. You're waiting. Like Paul did, he waited patiently for others to confirm that word that was spoken to him. And then supernaturally in God's way, he will begin to operate through his body and bring confirmation to you from others around you. I know when I was about, when I was in the military and I felt my heart, a call, I believe, to the things of the 
the, the ministry. I kept it. I didn't quite understand what was happening, what the outworking of it was. But then my pastor came up to me one day when I was praying and said, God, what does my life look like? I know you're moving on, me on to new things, but I haven't got a clue what it looks like or how this is going to work itself out. And my pastor came up to me and said, Chris, I received a letter through the post this morning. And it says that I am now able to start training people for the ministry who are in the military. Would that make any sense to you? A quick confirmation. I said, that, I knew that made sense to me. I went to my home group a few weeks later. We were sat around discussing, and one of the senior leaders of the church came up to me and said, do you know what, Chris? I've just been feeding on my heart that you're called to the ministry. Another confirmation for me. And it says, doesn't it, if two of you should agree on earth as touching anything, this was the confirmation I needed. First, we hear the voice of God in our lives, first and foremost. Sometimes it's easy to go to the external first and go looking to others for the answer. But we've got to labor and take time to pray, to worship, to seek the word, to be accountable, to be in ourselves, to be around our body, to see and hear how God is moving and how God is operating, to confirm that word that's been spoken to us in the spirit. But in the first instance, to hear that word, we've got to be in a place of prayer. We've got to be in a place of worship and we've got to be in a place of absorbing our lives to the things of the world and giving God as many avenues as he possibly can to bring confirmation to us before we make that life-changing decision. We've got to do a safety check. People confirm what God is already saying first and foremost in your hearts, in your inner being. The other point is take counsel from godly leaders and have accountability for your life. Psalm 1 speaks of having counsel amongst the ungodly. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but we are to have counsel with the godly. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. It's important to listen to godly leaders, men who are living a life of integrity before God, Men and women who hear the voice of God, they're not always going to be right, but they can be a mirror for you and give you the best wisdom possible from their experience. And together, God can begin to speak through one another to deciding what the best decision is for your life. So have accountability. Listen to your leaders. Surround yourself with the godly, not the ungodly. Because when you hear a voice of God, when you believe you've heard something from God, it's easy to go to, um, I wouldn't say ungodly, but people who are not walking the way with God. They're not hearing the word of God. And they might confirm something which is not correct for your life. Make sure you surround yourself by godly people. Surround yourself by the counsel of the godly and not ungodly. Proverbs 15.2 tells us, plans fail for lack of wisdom, but with many advisors, they succeed. Surround yourself by godly advisors. Naturally speaking as well, we've got to use our own intellects and brains. God has given us a mind. Sometimes we can be so spiritually minded that we're naturally no good. 
but we've got to weigh things up naturally as well. God has given us a mind to use. Take a moment. Assess the situation that you're in. Weigh up all of the options. Do a bit of a SWOT analysis for your life. Come down, come out with relevant courses of action. If I make this decision, potentially what would be the outcome here? If I make this decision, what would be the outcome here? Proverbs 21.31 says, A man prepares the horse for battle, but it's God that brings the victory. First and foremost, we have also have responsibility to prepare the horse, to do all we can in our ability. I remember a big minister once, very famous minister, you'll know him from the TV, he got his truck caught in a big bog. And my, uh, a, a minister that I knew was with him at the time. And he turned around and said, why don't you pray? And he turned around and said, God has given me the ability for myself to get this truck out. Why do I need to pray? And I know it's a small example, but it says something. Sometimes we depend all, all on God, and which we should, but sometimes he's given us the ability to do things in our, in, in our own wisdom, with using our minds and just using basic intellects. So make sure, naturally speaking, we align everything up and prepare everything the very best we can and weigh up all of, op, um, all of the options. A big one that I'd say as well, a key to ask before making life-changing decisions is motivation. Search yourself deep down and ask yourself, what is my motivation with making this decision for my life? What is my motivation? Have integrity to yourself. Have integrity to God, have integrity to the Word, but also be honest to yourself. Be honest and ask yourself the hard questions in why is it I'm wanting to make this decision? Why am I really desiring this or doing this? What is my true motivation? Don't deceive yourself. Remember the bigger picture of what you're called to do and see how your life is lining up with that. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. David there is saying, Search me, Lord. Please know my heart. What is it deep inside me? What is my motivation? What is my reasoning for wanting this or making this decision? What could you be doing through this, God? Because our emotions are fickle. Our feelings are fickle. We cannot be people of integrity to those things because they're moving. They're fleeting. They're not the strong, solid rock of God and the word from him. Be careful not to be clouded by the emotions, especially when we're making key decisions for our life. The tendency is to quickly make a quick decision. But take your time, be patient, and weigh up all of the options. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Seek to the motivations that why you're making this decision. James 13, 16 to 18 on that note also says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Again, weigh your heart. Are you, uh, is it out of envy? Is it out of self-seeking? Is it my own desires that I'm searching for? What is the reasoning? What is behind my motive of making this decision for my life? So the core tenant to all that, at the centre, is to hear the voice of God. We've got to give our, you've got to give yourself space and time 
to hear his word. Our judgment can be so clouded. Give yourself the time that you need. A little tip that I used to train my men when I was training them in the Royal Marines. In a battlefield situation, emotions can rise to the optimum, as I'm sure you can imagine. Your front face-to-face with an enemy is a game of cat and mouse. Your tactics against their tactics. You're fearful for your own life. You're fearful in that situation. The noise is horrendous. The noise is deafening. You don't even have time to even hear your own voice because of the noise of the bombs coming in, the bullets flying past your ears. It's deafening. It's scary. Emotions are flying. I say to my men, have a condor moment. Have a condor moment. The key uh, tendency there that you want to do is quickly make a decision. Quickly, I need to make a decision. The enemy are onto us. They're, they're, they're a step ahead of us. We've got to respond. We've got to react. No, 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 stop. Stop. Take your time. Take a deep breath. Have a condor moment. Extract yourself. Physically, take a step back or crawl back. Just take a deep breath. Let the dust settle in your soul. Observe the whole battlefield. Observe the whole picture. Get a full assessment of what is happening around you. And then you'll be in a better position to begin to orchestrate a wise plan moving forward. So I'd encourage you, life-changing decisions. Find a place for you to find solitude and time so your emotions settle. The death settles with whatever situation you're in. Give yourself a bit of time. God is not in a rush. He has it all in control. He has it all in hand. Pray. Worship. Give him thanks. Put him back at the center. Surround yourself by godly good people and begin to hear the voice of God in the midst of that situation. Have yourself a condor moment. Get to hear the voice of God. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear, Matthew eleven fifteen says. And Isaiah 30, 21 says, At thine ears you shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to your left, you'll hear a small, still voice in your heart telling you the direction that you should go. I was telling you earlier of the story where I came to a situation in my life, ministry, military, all my dependency, all my trust, everything I knew, seven years away from a full military pension, financially secured for the rest of my life, good healthy bonus as I left, monthly money going into my account every single month, just seven years away from that going into the ministry, had no idea where my money was going to come from, had no idea what my future looked like that I'd built up here in the, in, in the, in the military. And then I began to think in my natural ability, okay, Lord, I know I'm making a decision now to go into the things of you, into the, into the ministry, but how can I now start to shape myself up a life here? Where am I going to get the money from? And that's wise and that's good to do. 
But God said to me when I was praying and when I was still with him, he said, Chris, just a still small voice. Chris, please, let me do this for you. Let me do this for you. I said, no, 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 Lord, you don't have to do this for me. I know friends in the security industry out there. I've got all the contacts I need. I don't need your help. Obviously, Lord, we've got it covered. And besides, I'll have great favor with them. I won't even have to go through the interview process or anything. They'll just get me straight in through the back door, job established, money coming in. We're on the go, Lord. No problems. Leave it to me. No, Chris, please, please, please. This is important. I really felt this deep down in that still small voice in my heart. I want to do this for you. And that was hard for me because I could orchestrate things. But if I went through the official chains, I was a Christian in the military. We're not always very much liked as Christians in the military. I had my camp of great friends who championed me in my faith in the military. But I had a camp of people who didn't approve of me whatsoever, being a soldier and being a Christian in the military. What if this camp of people get to those people who want to employ me before my friends who champion me get before them, Lord? They, they, they may not give me a job because they know I'm a Christian. They don't want a Christian in their organization. I said, Chris, just trust me. Please trust me. Leave it to me. I said, okay, Lord. I went through all the official chains, handed in my CV, went up for an interview, and I got the job. And I'll share with you a little bit later on what else God did for me for that time. But for now, I want you to know, just hear the voice of God. Find time and solitude to hear what he is telling you to do. Psalm 62 says, In God alone my soul waits in silence. In God alone my soul waits in silence. See, Moses in Numbers chapter 7, verse 8 to 9, he went into the tabernacle himself to hear the voice of God behind the two veils and into the holies of holies. A picture of our inner man, a picture of our spiritual being, where we must be to hear the voice of God. He was in the holies of holies, to hear God speak. And in the holies of holies there at the end, you would have had the cherubim overlooking the ark of the covenant. And in that holy of holies, the cherubim overlooking that ark of the covenant, the cherubim represent worship and they represent fellowship. And between the cherubim of fellowship and worship, Moses heard the voice of God. In the midst of fellowship, in the midst of worship, you too will hear the voice of God of where he's leading you to be. Teddy Roosevelt, American president, the 26th American president in the early 1900s, said these words, a strong Christian man with Christian values, said, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. There will come a time where you'll have to act. There will come a time when you've collaborated everything you can in the natural 
you've done a course of action, you've had a condor moment and you've stood back and you've got clarity of thought, you've got good wisdom and counsel from your leaders and from the people around you, your cell group leaders and, 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 your, and your, your friends that you, that you trust, you've searched the word, you've been to the word, you've been in praise, you've been in prayer, you've been in thanksgiving to him, you believe you've heard where the Lord is leading you. But there will come a time then when you'll need to make a decision. And that's hard. There will come a time where you said, Lord, I've done everything I possibly can in this situation for my life. Father, I believe with everything I have that this is the decision for me to make. Father, help me, lead me, and guide me, but this is the decision I'm going to make now. And then be bold. Step out in faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, it is, without faith is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God, to him, must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You'll feel seasick on occasions. Like James 1 said, you're like a man tossed around in the ocean, the person who is double-minded, but also you'll feel sick on occasions because what you are hearing in your spirit, what you believe that God is leading you to, sometimes in the natural, it will not appear to be lining up whatsoever in your life. And you'll think, how on earth is this going to be, Lord? Imagine how Moses felt when he was liberated from, from Egypt with his people. God said, you're going to enter into the promised land. If God revealed to Moses all the things that he was going to have to go through to the promised land, I doubt he would have ever, ever said, Lord, I will go. There was the Red Sea before him. There was the River Jordan before him. There was the time in the wilderness before him. God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He's not always a spotlight beaming the whole picture and road ahead for your life. But it gives you enough to take that first initial step. And you've got to be bold. You've got to be courageous to take that initial step when you've accumulated all the knowledge and all the wisdom that you initially have. He wants you to step out in faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God will deal with the situation. And listen, with all the knowledge you have, God knows your heart. If you've diligently and truly gone through the right vessels, been accountable, been in prayer, can truly back up the word of God, everything must line up with the word of God, and you make that decision, and it's not the right decision, God will work it all out. He knows your heart. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Two big times in my life, I, God has come in and spoke this to me. There was two channels in, the, in, in my career that I could have gone down. I prayed, I fasted, I seeked God, I took the step that I down the path that I thought was the right one, but God blocked that path immediately. And I ended up going down the other path. It was confirmation. But first, he wants us to step out. He can't maneuver a stationary vehicle. We need to put it into gear, and we begin to need to have some forward momentum for him to be able to direct us. 
So take that step of faith. The other time, I was putting an offer in on a property. Everything had gone through. Everything had gone through. I sent away all my accounts, all the details, everything I needed, and I laid in bed at about 4 o'clock in the morning. I just got a shake. Something woke me up. I was so restless. I completely lost my peace in the spirit. And then I felt the Lord say to me, Chris, don't go through with that property. Don't go through with that property. I said, Lord, I really want that property. Everything's been sent off. It's going through the brokers. Chris, listen to me. Don't go through that property. I was on my knees from 4 o'clock through to 7 o'clock until I had to get up for work, praying, saying, no, please, God, this cannot be. But I knew in the depths of my being I'd lost my peace. I was restless. I knew something was wrong. I said, Father, I just trust you. I just trust you. I withdrew the, the, the offer on the property. And about three years later, it was in Spain. That country's economy absolutely collapsed and still is a bad state now. When you make a step, when you believe things are right, God will intervene, but just be receptive to hear from him. He will intervene for you. Take that step of faith, though, when you believe everything has been lined up. We see the life of Abraham. Abraham obeyed God, didn't he? And instead of just being an exalted father, he became a father of many nations. He became the father today of our faith from his obedience to God. It wasn't easy, but he trusted, heard the voice of the God, and he acted upon it against everything culturally that he should have done. He did ultimately what God told him to do. I was telling the story and the little progress of myself leaving the, 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 the military to the ministry. God supernaturally came through with that job for me. I got the job. I got a contract, which was very rare at that time. I got flown to many parts of the world that I dreamt of visiting. He positioned me with some of the top wealthiest men in the world to give me some insight into that world. And I remember stood in a hotel. Everything seemed to be smoothly running for me. As if God supernaturally was just orchestrating everything. It's like I jumped into a river at the center of its tide flowing for my life and his blessings were literally pouring over me as I just trusted in him. I was on the plane just giving him praise for where he was sending me next. And as I stood and arrived in the hotel, blessing after favor after blessing after favor, I was upgraded into to this nice hotel, into the executive lounge, and I went to my colleagues and I said, oh, the rooms are nice, aren't they? And he went, oh, what rooms, Chris? We're just in the normal rooms we're usually in. I said, oh, right. Have you not, have you not, been, have you not got the executive lounge? <laughs> no, we're in the normal rooms. I said, oh, right. <laughs> okay. And I was panicking, thinking they'd put me in the client's um, room, executive lounge, and I got a little concerned, thinking they're going to come up and I'm in their room because we're looking after some quite heavy clients. But then when we were having a drink, my friend had looked back on my life because we'd worked together and we left the military together at the same time. He looked back and seen how everything had orchestrated. And when we were sat having coffee one evening, he just looked over to me. He said, Chris, 
I cannot help but notice. I know you're a Christian man. Your God really looks after you, doesn't he? And that just hit my heart. I said, yes, he does. And I looked back on all what God had brought me through from that pivotal decision in my life, life-changing decision, leading, letting go 15 years of my career, everything I dreamt of as a child and still hadn't fully fulfilled and gone to the fullness of what I could have done there. The financial state that I laid down from a, seven years away from a full pension and promotion and then to stepping into the ministry with, at the time, absolutely nothing that I had to lay down to go that path. But God supernaturally came through every step of the way. And we will make a decision and we're integral to the things of God. He will supernaturally provide for us and he will lead us into the path of the fullness of what he has for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That is his promise to you here today in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. He is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. Stay integral to God, to the spirit that lives inside of you and to those accountable around you. And when it comes to making those life-changing decisions, he will reveal to you the path that you should take. You will receive the confirmation that that is the right way. And even if you take a step of faith and it's not, trust in Romans 8, 28. Here work it all together for your good and for your glory. But like Roosevelt says, the worst thing you can do when it's a time to act is to do nothing. Let's stand to our feet here this afternoon, KT. And let's just bow our head in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, there's people here that want to make key decisions for their life. There's people here, Father, whose lives are going well. They've made the right choices. But we know, Father, ultimately there will be greater decisions and choices that we have to make for our life in future. Lord, I just pray for your blessing upon each and every person here. Father, for those who are making a life-changing decision right now, who are in that point, who have hit the crossroads of their life, I pray they'll yield to some of the points that we've been through here today, that their hearts will be open and minds receptive to it, that you'll quicken their soul, you'll quicken their spirit, you will supernaturally bring people in their life to bring confirmation to what you've spoken in their spirits, Father, that they will take the time in solitude and rest, they will take that condor moment to get to hear the voice of you clearly in that place of the holies of holies, where the cherubim are overlooking in fellowship and in worship, in the midst of that time, a voice will come clearly from behind them saying, this is the way that you should go. Father, at that point, you shall strengthen them with might through your spirit in their inner man to take that step. Knowing you're a good God. You're a God that provides. You're a God that will lift them up. Even if the natural is not aligned to the things of the spiritual, we thank you, Father, as we're faithful to your word and to your spirit. 
you will supernaturally align the natural as we seek you with all of our hearts. Father, those who will make decisions in the future, prepare them right now, we pray, Lord, for that time. May they continuously seek you every single day, meditate on your word, surround themselves by that godly counsel, that in the due season, they will be receptive what you have stated them to be. Father, that we will be unified in the body, making decisions for you, strengthened and living for your glory. Father, I thank you for each and every person here who will make the wise choices in their life-changing decisions. All the glory be unto your name. We pray. Amen. God bless you, Katie.